This is Comictating, the comic book review arm of the Nerdables family of podcasts. Let the nerds take over! Us? Huh? What's up, comic fans? Welcome again to the latest episode of Comictating. I am joined, as always, by my partner, Sebastian. We go over a few books for this week, more than a few books for this week. This is one of our biggest weeks since yeah, we, we started. Got, got quite a few uh, books. Yeah, just found a lot of stuff that I found worthy of, of talking about, some stuff that was fairly interesting. Um, a lot of stuff not from the big two, so we'll get to those. But want to start with Justice League of America number one. We're going to get right into it. We did the Rebirth special two weeks ago. This is the number one official get into the story issue just yes. like they were doing back in May and June. Yep, it is the it is technically the first issue of the series itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh Steve Orlando writing it even Rice. I always say Reese or Rice, R E I S. I've always heard it pronounced Ivan Rice. Rice. Right. I was going to go Rice. Um and then a host of inkers as well. So this is Batman's new Justice League of America team. This is his non-gods, non-alien. Right. Well, no, it can't be non-alien cuz Lobo's in it. Lobo's an alien. Um it is his Inspirational team. Yeah, it's the it's the human Justice League. All the humans who've been converted into yeah, it's like the the B team without the B is not as a as bad a term as they're saying. Yeah, well, it's not even his human team because Lobo's in it. As long as Lobo's in it, right? He's He's got uh, yeah, he's got the uh, a defensive power along the lines of Superman, where he just really can't be knocked down. So this starts the the kind of the team's first mission. We saw how they came together. In the Rebirth special, which we liked a lot, it's an interesting group of people. It's a diverse group of people. And here we open with different characters in different situations that are, you know, helping people. There's a fire in the city of Vanity and the Ray and uh, Black Canary are there. We see Lobo taking on, like, lava monsters, I guess. Right. I think in the ocean, which is kind of cool. They're, they're very reminiscent of uh, an old Aquaman monster, like magma monsters from beneath the sea. Yeah. In fact, I think they actually brought those characters into an episode of Justice League Unlimited. They probably did. They're very, very familiar. Uh, Frost trying to drop the killer part of her name and Ray at their sanctuary in Happy Harbor. Starts with Batman and Vixen, which are kind of like the co-leaders of the team. It's Batman's team, but Vixen has a, I guess like an EXO or a Master Sergeant role as well. Right, she's and, got the she's got the voice of reason role yeah, down to pat. a certain She's kind of like the Rick Flag of the Suicide yeah, Squad. yeah. And along those same lines where, you know, she mentions the team that's not necessarily getting along. Well, they don't really push that point much in the two. You know, you don't see them kind of at odds with each other. It's very no, quick no. to kind of get into the uh, them being able to work together, but it's a good way. And then uh, Lord Havoc and his extremists showed up, which uh, I haven't seen them in a while. Very seen them long since... time. Oh, what was, was it Final Crisis, I think, or something where we saw them there? So Havoc's come to rain Havoc, uh, and Batman gets everyone together to go and, and try and stop him. It's as straightforward a kind of superhero book as you would get, but not necessarily in a bad way. Ivan Rice's pencils are, are, are always Gorgeous. fantastic. Um, and Steve Orlando has a solid script. It's got some good lines in it. I take a little issue with his Lobo because he says main man like three times. Um, kind of just like save that for once an issue, I think. Right. Uh, the Bastich, I don't mind because it's something that, you know, if you call somebody a name, you may call him like over and over again. Like right. his version of bro in a way. Uh, but, yeah, old you know, Bastich. Yeah. Referring to himself in the third person's final once, but then he's got main man and he says it again and he says it again. Yeah, it's definitely a once an issue. Yeah, kind of like hold that in. Um, you got to have that moment where somebody's like, and who are you? Well, I'm the main man. <clears throat> and then there you go. You go, yeah, he said it. And Yay. You clap and, and you move on. Just say the line. 
I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Only I may dance. Um, as we break into The Simpsons yet again. Uh, so really, I mean, it's hard to not say anything about this issue without saying anything about this issue. Right. But it is uh, very interesting. They set up the team dynamics. They also set up uh, Havoc, who has returned after, again, being gone for a very long Lord time. Lord Havoc. Oh, yes. He's a Lord Havoc. Yeah. And Havoc's deal is that his world has been was destroyed. And he's people, looking for another place. Yeah. Well, people didn't take care of it. Uh, people were too soft to live in, in, in order. He's kind of like an enemy of freedom. And like, we'll keep you safe, but you've got to follow my rules and basically be ruled, which obviously brings him up against someone like Batman or really anybody on our planet. Uh, so we have the fight that breaks out. Right. And in cool looking pieces, as you see these guys all against each other, Frost's uh, characterization and dynamic as it changes, it's very interesting because it's definitely something where you had a villain that you're using on a TV series. Right. Uh, who's as not, not a villain. villain. Who, yeah, and is not even a fully powered character, something she's actively trying to not use those powers. You've seen her in an alternate universe on the TV series where she is a villain. So there is that redemption value here. It almost feels like, well, we can't really have her on a TV series and then have the kids come and find Killer Frost. Oh, oh, she just murders people like over and over again. That's not good. Uh, but it is it is interesting. I mean, obviously the reforming villain thing is all over the place in, in superhero comics. It's, you know, Sabretooth still like okay in Marvel after uh, Axis did that right. flip. It's the only thing that anybody remembers it from. Uh, remembers from it at least. So her characterization is interesting. The way that she she kind of um, interacts with Ray. Ray's got an interesting point in which what he tries to do doesn't work, which is always fun. Um, I say Ray, but I mean Ray, not Ray. Well, Ryan, there's, there's, Ryan, there's Ryan. the Ray who's in yes. the book. Well, and that's then, what I was going to say. Then Ryan Choi. The I Adam. think that's why they don't use Ray Palmer because you don't want the Ray and, and Ray, Ray Palmer. <laughs> Ray, well, what? Uh, yes, Ryan Choi, who was speaking of the Adam. Uh, you know, trying to to stop Lord Havoc and it doesn't work. And we go through. It's a nice job of not using a lot of Batman. No, that, that, I was actually thing. very very surprised. It takes a a strong temperament to have Batman in a book and then not use him as basically the blunt instrument of the team. We got a lot of Lobo in this book. We've got a lot of good character interaction in the book. So it's great. Yeah, you get a lot of Frost and and um, uh, Lobo and, and Vixen in the book as well. Right. I like Vixen. Vixen's a, Vixen's a very yeah. cool character in this. I think she's got, you know, she's she's a bit of an archetype in that strong, not sidekick isn't the right way, but, you know, that co-leader or that executive yeah, officer. Yeah, supporting character. Yeah, who, you have a leader who's uh, very much like Detective, where Batman has kind of put this team together and is very aloof and out of it. And uh, Kate Kane as Batwoman is the one who is connected to all these people. Batman is trying to have Vixen be the one that's connected to everybody. Um, and that way kind of almost gives him a uh, a, a, a degree of separation from right. the characters that are there yeah, in a way de- that... Batman definitely has Vixen as the second in command. Although yeah. for as much as a powder keg as they talk about this team being in the book, everyone seems to be moving yeah, this is... <laughs> moving forward through the story, very little fighting. So Yeah, that, that kind of element. If you're going to is... bring that into the book, I'd like to see more of yeah. the interpersonal reactions and everybody rubbing each other the wrong way. It's definitely told, not shown, as we see um, 
them being able to work with Frost fairly easily, being able to work with someone like Lobo very fairly easily. These are characters that are, are villains, anti-villains, whatever you want to call it. You have the Ray, who's brand new. You have, uh, or fairly new, you have Ryan Choi's the Adam, brand new. This He says this is the first time he puts on the suit. Right. Uh, Vixen and Black Canary as kind of the old Star Wars. It's, it's really Black Canary who seems to have a problem with kind of everybody on the team. But Vixen mentions early that, you know, um, I do like the Batman line that uh, she says to Batman, there's never been a Justice League you didn't end up fighting. Like, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, so. I guess that's yeah, true. Yeah, You're really smart. Um, but yeah, there's kind of those pieces there. So I, I'm sure that interpersonal stuff will come later. They decided to go straight with the villain. Uh, but yeah, I think that there's one drawback to the way the book's presented is that, that that kind of aspect of it is continually told to you, but it doesn't really uh, show up. It's a visual medium. you got to yeah. show and tell. So this Justice League one, we're going to go to, I guess they're doing uh, kind of like every, not every, we colored Kingpin a couple weeks ago, and we now have Elektra number one, and it's all under the, the banner of kind of running with the devil, even though Daredevil isn't in it. But it's these characters that are connected to, to that the Daredevil universe world as well. And she's and even wearing the costume from Daredevil season two. That's true. Uh, so Elektra is brought to you by, Matt Owens is writing it, Juan Cabal is, the, uh, is doing the art, the pencils. And then color artists Antonio Fabla and Marco Menez. I don't remember anything that I've seen from Juan Cabal, but I really like this art. I like it too. It's very, very simple. It's not overly rendered. The colors are really, really yeah. nice. The if panel Marvel, work is really yeah, good. Yeah, if Marvel has like a house style, this is it. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of books that kind of look like this, and not in a bad way. I mean, it's it's really well done. It's not anything that's, you know, it's, it's not going to be like J.H. Williams III or someone that, that's really going to push your boundaries or, or Andrew Sonatino, but... It's still really well done in the way that it's told as a story. Uh, and yes, there's a lot of panel work in it, which is is a lost art to some degree. Uh, we're in Vegas. Uh, they kind of show you right away who sort of the bad guy is going to be. Very mysterious bad guy. It's got, uh, it's got a nice feel to it. There's a yeah. sort of like sort of the hints throughout the book is the, there's an upcoming labyrinth, some sort of. Some sort of escape room that I'm very, very intrigued by. They With set up the, the most dangerous game, the most dangerous game. Man, man. Uh, I do dig the uh, the opening page showing it. it's in Vegas. It's the the Midway Casino, which should give you a clue as to who the bad guy is. Yeah. Uh, the layout. <laughs> I'm looking. I was like, okay, there's the Mandalay Bay, the Luxor, Excalibur, and the New York. You know, I'm like, that's way too far away. I know there's a street between the two of them, but good lord, I think it's not even close. I think the Midway in this book is supposed to be. Oh, I know it's in the foreground, but I'm just saying in, in terms of the background there. Where these these pieces are as far away as they put them, even you know coming down. Yeah. But again, it's a comic book. I also think do? it's supposed to be like it almost looks like it's sort of in a weird spot, like maybe where the wind would be. Yeah, I think, it, you, I think it's supposed to be the wind. As you can tell, we've been to Vegas uh, at least once. Bye bye. Uh, the background pieces are great through. They say you're in an office and they have uh, Ronnie Balboa versus Kid Krakoa. Which is great. Which is awesome. I love the names. Yeah, you see different pieces in... There was another one that was in there that was really good. Oh, the uh, the bar scene. You first are introduced to Elektra, uh, and she's kind of like hiding out. She's in a bar. The poster in the back, the ghost of Liberace, and my favorite, Tom Selleck and Craven the Musical. Yes, which I <laughs> And it's a dead-on likeness oh, yeah. of Tom It looks Selleck. like Tom Selleck. If Tom Selleck weren't on Blue Bloods right now, yes. he would need to be in Craven the Musical. Oh, I don't know if Tom Selleck so can save good. it. I don't know who came up with that, but that would be fantastic. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, I, I need it now. Somebody just put out an album, throw it on iTunes Marvel, get to work. Or a yeah. t-shirt. 
I would love to buy a Craven the Musical t-shirt starring Tom Selleck. If they could get Tom Selleck to sign off on just doing that poster. Just yeah, having buy that the poster, poster. That poster would be in every comic shop in America. It oh, yeah. ours like six times. It's hint, so hint. Good. hint, hint, Marvel. Hint, hint, Marvel. Figure it out. You made the I'm Not Daredevil shirt. Yes. Go from there. Uh, so, yeah, we opened up basically with these parts of Vegas. It's someone in an office who's talking with a high roller. And, you know, it's it's a it, it's it's for a game in which people, you know, blood sport, as he says, emphasis on the blood. Um, yeah, we got the blood with little sport. tiny, you know, he's looking at the monitors of people who played the game. We've yeah. got uh, a guy who's crushed under a giant die and uh, someone who's sort of mummified in like a bowl of sand, maybe. It's a uh, very, oh, very yeah, yeah. interesting to sort of be like, okay, what is or this game? I need to that see person it. is or milk the... and cereal, and it's disgusting, and that's why. That's true. That's true. But it, it, or they could be very tiny. Someone has shrunk them down, yes. and they need to escape a casino like, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah. So there's like, yeah, these these different pieces, and then we're introduced to Electra and uh, sitting in the bar, just like she works at uh, Caesar's Palace, perhaps. Well, she's in she's in classic Greece. Those are those are Greek yep, symbols. Yep. Through it. So yeah, she's wearing like classic Greek. Uh, address and she's talking to the bartender there's a quick flashback scene we see that the bartender is not in a great situation with her her man her boy <laughs> fantastico aged rum um so yeah it's just boom 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 little pieces and she's gets herself onto the heavy hitters or high rollers list as she just keeps winning at roulette which is fantastic and then we get into kind of the action sequences. You don't see Electra as Electra very much in it until the like end. Last, and like it's three really pages. well done. The I really enjoyed the fight scene in this. The, uh, the her her martial arts scene through here as she starts, you know, knocking yeah. dudes around. Oh, and it takes a page right out of uh, yeah. Mark Wade's Daredevil run where there's like one scene where she's like flipping across, but she's halfway between yeah. two panels, which is again really really nice panel structure. I dig that a lot. It definitely has a feel of. The, the way Daredevil has been written as long as Mark has been doing it. Yes. So I think you have writers and artists that are doing the stuff that's connected to it, uh, striving for the same tonality, the same aesthetics, and it really works. I mean, if you're a fan of Daredevil, I think you'd like Elektra um, as a character that, that I've enjoyed on and off. I I thought this was good. It was, it was a it was really solid good, book. solid book. Um, like I said, the art is, is, is part of it. She looks fantastic. The artwork uh, or the, uh, the, the, the pacing and action work is great. The backgrounding is great. I mean, just a simple bathroom that she's sitting in just looks great. Yeah. They set up the good, um, they set up the mystery yeah. really well. It doesn't play out until the very end of the book, and but her, everything moves towards it. In the bar, her kind of flashback, basically she's ordering, um, uh, what was it? Mescal. Yeah. And she takes the piece and, and the bartender slash, you know, maybe therapist, uh, asks kind of what she's doing there, and then there's three panels of some of her famous fighting the hand with Matt and then Bullseye, and she's presented in all three panels as one constant piece. Right. But with different costumes and different effects, and everything looks different. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a really it's beautiful piece. It's done to match piece. the styles from those books that she's in. Yeah, and it's just a really beautiful piece that, that kind of brings very quickly kind of the, you know, how much she's been through and the type of things that she's gone through uh, beforehand, so... I liked. I was. I was a good Thumbs book. Up. It was. It was. Uh, it was better than than. I think Kingpin had the same thing where we both said it's kind of better than it has any right to be. It's sort of like we don't need an electric book, but if you're going to do this electric book, this is pretty yeah, good. Absolutely. Um, it's definitely not as as heady as the last time they did an electric book. Right. Um, which is neither good nor bad. It's just a different uh, sensibility to it because again, it, I think it's more. They're running off the way that um, that Mark is doing Daredevil for the last couple of years. So. 
Um, I really like this art. I yeah, this the artwork is absolutely the gorgeous. The cover is really nice too. Almost to the cover. Elizabeth Torque did the cover. Nice sort of. It's good color work on it. It's very strong centralized character piece. So it. So that takes care of the big two. So we're gonna jump through some other creators indie and indie books. We got, and a, companies. We got a hefty indie stack yeah. this week. Um, want to talk about uh, a book from Black Mask? Black Mask has done a number of different books that have kind of captured a uh, a buzz, especially early on. You know, four kids and uh, walk into a bank. There's young terrorists, and there's a book called Black, uh, which has received some press for its uh, its image cover imagery as well as its subject matter. Black Mask is a company that is not afraid to shy away from provocative themes, provocative uh, characters. They've kind of tried to carve out a bit of that niche without going like super, super crazy. Right. You know, still grounding it into a, a standard kind of, not standard kind of comic, but the standard kind of comic. I mean, it's kind of hard right. to explain. Stories about bank robbers. Yeah, bank robbers who are into kids. Yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that. Uh, so we have Quantum, Quantum Teens Are Go, created by uh, Magdalene Visagio and Eric Donovan. Um, the writers and the pencils, uh, and, but the, you know, creating the story together, and we jump right in as these two young people, um, youths, youths, teenagers, teenagers, are have busted into a kind of like science laboratory that's been shut down. They start fighting robots as a part of the security measures. They get out and they run into another group of guys who apparently they have wronged in the past, and then there's a fight sequence, and then we finally get into kind of what the story's about. We learned that um, one of our two main characters, Natalie, is uh, a transition, or what, what she's a trans character. Trans, yeah, transition character, trans character who uh, used to be Brandon. Her boyfriend is someone who was taken in by, uh, who's an orphan taken in by their his his best friends, uh, or family his members, parents. Yeah, his parents' best friends. Yes, there we go. Um, so we have characters that you know again are not the the standard nuclear family that that we're we're used to. Um, but in this heist, they find a, uh, oh, what was the word for it? I want to get it right. Where it was yeah, here. they have a very specific word. It's a uh, tachyonic actuator. Yes. Because of course, when you can't explain something, it's tachyons. Yeah. You got to do the, you got to do the techno babble, very Star Trek, like the Heisenberg compensator, my favorite, uh, Trek techno babble <laughs> that allows people to use the transporters because it can actually determine both the position and speed that your atomic particles are moving and of course it's all it's all fun techno babble so i actually did appreciate having that moment of like well it's this and here's what it does yeah all made of science and there is a they did mention a teleporter in here that one of the the reason that uh, this group of, of gangs are just like well you screwed us over. Well, we didn't make you guys use a busted teleporter. So they established very early that this kind of science exists in this world to right. a certain degree. Obviously, we have robots as security. Um, and so they're trying to get in with this group, basically like a super science group called Odyssey. And they bring their piece to it and they get rejected. And then someone says, oh, let's let's go for this. And then the end is is kind of, oh, OK. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a the especially uh, you know whether or not you know you you know if you're really worried about like sort of political messages in books they're not really dealing with any of that they just sort of state that this the the characters in this book you know one is an orphan who's been adopted the main character is a trans character they just sort of leave it at that they don't make it a big part of the story yeah I mean she has she has a bit of a problem with uh with with her her uh mother you know her, with her parents you know she knows that she's coming she's coming in late. Because of course she's off raiding super science laboratories, right. um, but they kind of turn it on. You know, we 
we're fine with you transitioning, but you were a better person than here. You know, I don't like with the, with the direction you're going in, and it may be that kind of the, the the switch that leads to it in their kind of ignorant way. But and we'll see where that goes from there. But um, it's got a it doesn't has an independent art style. It's it's a very I hard actually kind really of really like the art. Style yeah, I thought the art was the art was really good. Um, there's good panel work in it. There's good you know subtle action as we watched Natalie kind of get ready for for her day with makeup and putting on her clothing and grabbing her skateboard and her backpack and stuff. So this going to school. Going to school. The going to school montage. Going to montage. Um the yeah, it's kind of a, a a rough kind of work. You know, it's like it's a it's a hard kind of pencil. There's very strong uh straight lines, very strong yeah. curves through it in terms of just like dutching and not touching uh, hard angles and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely it, it it'll separate itself. It's a very different style than Electra. We'll put it that way. Yes, yeah, um, and I, it's a it's a style I actually like. Even like the color, it's very very singular. They're not using a lot of heavy colors. I like it. Uh, the art style yeah. is the first thing that, especially when I flip that first page and you see the robot fight. Yeah, I greatly appreciate it. It's just like, oh, this is really really nice. Might be a little bit of um the motor crush the the back yes, one that yeah. we were looking at. Uh, it's got it's in that same. Um, uh, you know, the same ballpark kind of thing. Yeah, and I like sci-fi, so I'm yeah. I'm all for. Especially, there's like one moment where their third friend, the, his name escapes me, but he's built like a, like an old like maybe an old Thunderbird, but it's got uh, instead of the engine sticking out of the hood for the supercharger and for the air intake and stuff like that, it's just got like crazy technology sticking out of the front. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's the put on stuff. It's got like a yeah, it's like a Trans Am. Yeah, or maybe a Trans Am. Through. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Stafford. Wayne, yeah, and he's kind of the one that comes to help. Them yeah, it's after got Odyssey like down. looks like Tesla coils maybe sticking yeah, out. The of car it. that the Odyssey group is is working on, just like a page earlier, has that kind of yeah. It's good, almost looks like solar panels and huge you know yeah, engine fuel nacelles coming out of it, like it, like the back of the DeLorean and uh, Back to the Future, just like weird, just weird <laughs> exhaust panels. It's a quick part. It looks like it's got a laser cannon on the top of it. That's yeah, cool. yeah, laser cannon or some sort of some, uh, some of, of emitter. And yeah, so it's like no, I appreciate just that little subtle, just like oh yeah, these these kids are smart. They're building super science in their backyard. Moving on to Dark Horse, uh, the Visitor, how and why he stayed. The latest in the Hellboy verse. Uh, Mike Minoli and Chris Robertson for the story, art by Paul Grist, which is part of the reason I wanted to cover this because I really, really like Paul Grist. Oh, I, yeah. I was introduced to Paul Grist when he did a Grendel Tales, and then um, went back and saw some of his older stuff. But he also did a a British crime comic called Kane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, really, really great stuff. So it was cool to see this. It is set very much in the Hellboy universe because the first, uh, the first few first pages, three pages has the intro to the original Hellboy how, comic, how Hellboy came back. Um, so we kind of see some of the events as Hellboy goes through, and it's a it's a character that comes in very early. It's basically one of the soldiers is actually an alien masquerading as a soldier who is sent here to stop, basically kill Hellboy as soon as he shows up, right? Because if you've read Hellboy, uh, he is supposedly the he's Anunnaki, yeah, the the harbinger of the of the apocalypse, uh, that Ragnarok or whatever you want to call it, Armageddon is is his um, this is uh, basically his yeah. end, and whether he likes it or not, and yeah. I what I appreciate especially about the Hellboy books is that they move through those stories, and Hellboy has officially ended the Hellboy series, yeah, but uh, they do have series post the end of Hellboy. And uh, there is an apocalypse that does happen. Yeah. So it's uh, I, I, one of those few times where, like, a story does not have that happy ending, and there's a really good follow-through. And this book I really, really liked. Yeah. This was um, 
it's a little lighter than something like uh, BPRD Hell on Earth. Yes. You know, as we go through that that apocalypse and in, in, in the, the the end of it. And yeah, they're doing like Hellboy 1953. And yeah, yeah. Some of his... They're doing more. They're doing. They are doing more Hellboy stories, but the main Hellboy yeah, the series going forward. Yes. Yeah. In terms of where he's at um, right now, and if you want to see Hellboy, this is the only way you're going to, because there ain't going to be a Hellboy three. Yeah, yeah. The, the officially said, Guillermo del Toro finally says. Nope. Not doing Hellboy 3. And it's not going to happen, guys. I, I cry. Just a tear. Just a tear. Just a little tear. But finally, let his fans know. But they'll do Pacific Rim 2. So. Well, he's not really doing Pacific Rim He's not Rim really doing yeah, Pacific Rim 2. But. And I don't know if Pacific Rim 2 is going to be any good. Anyway, anyway um, so we get this character that is following, it decides you know, the, the, the command structure of this alien uh, species is telling him, kill it. He you says, no, do it. it's, gotta, a, it's gotta... a baby. He's innocent. Uh, he can be whatever he wants to be. And he may even, you know, towards the end, it kind of makes it. He could, he could even bring some good through it. Right. Um, so it's fun to kind of see Hellboy as he's growing up. Um, again, Paul Grist's style is, it's so unique. It, it's so, uh, it's it, it, much like um, Mignola's style itself. It's minimalist, but that's selling it very, very short. Um, they don't waste any lines. They don't waste any colors. They don't waste any composition. Right. But it's so really well done. I mean, you have a dragon that's a very simple piece. It's just a long, almost like snake with a gigantic head yeah. and a couple, you know, and two arms. But it looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, know, even the even the, the use of colors where the colors are very muted, but then Hellboy is like a very primary red. Yeah, and that's been the style since yeah. the start. So. so it's always appreciated that they maintain that. Yeah. Um. I, being a Hellboy fan, I really love this. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're a Hellboy fan, you're probably going to pick this book up. But yeah, and maybe something know, you don't really, yeah, you don't really recognize because it doesn't have Hellboy on the cover. Right. It has the, the if you visitor. didn't know that it was part of the Hellboy universe, yeah, it says from the pages of Hellboy at the top. But you know, something like Baltimore that may say the same thing doesn't really interact with Hellboy. This right. is directly interacting. This is directly interacting with, with, with Hellboy's past, and I like that. You know, he the alien is sort of the watcher for yeah. Hellboy, even helping him out in a few situations here and there. So it's uh it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I liked it a lot. Yes, yeah, very very cool. I just wanted to bring that up. Oh, excuse me. Um, to because of that that kind of fact, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle of you know if you're a Hellboy fan, this is something that's definitely should be in your library. Right, because it directly deals with Hellboy's history. So we're gonna slam through some more of Image. Image's 25th anniversary is really bringing them uh, a prolificity in in books. We're seeing three four books a week, five six books a week, uh, and new number ones and what have you. And they're taking a stab at an anthology. Uh, called Sun Bakery, comic book anthology magazine. Uh, this is in the vein of Dark Horse Presents, and it is. It's all Corey Lewis, who is the writer and the artist. So every story is his yeah, own. Is, is his own, and um, it's very video gamey. It is, and you'll catch it right from the beginning. Legally distinct. Legally, uh, legally distinct. Metroid. Legally distinct. Metroid. Metroid. Not. Not even. I do like that he TMs Grumpy Troid in it. Right. Uh, and then what? What was the second one? We thought it was Scott Pilgrim. So like a very Scott Pilgrim like story. Yeah. Then we got the last one, which is a talking skateboard. Yes. So that was cool. Uh, It's very, in the vein of those games, comics, brands, it's very quick. There's a lot coming. Right. The stories are very, very short. Uh, The colors are very, uh, you know, there's 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 no blacks really in it. And it's, uh, you know, at least in the first one. And so it's got a cool, you know, different shades of purple color which is really scheme. weird because it's like it's like super metroid but if samus aran went around uh instagramming everything instead of actually saving the day well that's what that's what you do now you oh, gotta, is, that with, is that what the kids do if you could put it yourself into a ball you'd still have your selfie stick oh okay selfies you have the skateboard one which i think was our favorite yeah that was the that was stark black and white 
and not even like black and white gray tone. It is black or it is white, and that is it. Yeah. Um. There's there's nothing more to it. So it's a very it's a very thin ink, a very thin pencil. Um. And we have this this kind of like skateboard contest. Yeah, with a almost like a like a like a super heroic skateboarding contest. Yeah, with a talking skateboard. Uh, the character's got a baseball bat. Uh, the skateboard's best friend is the baseball bat. See, and yeah, just really, really weird, really, really out there, but very, very enjoyable. Bro- yeah, this was a lot of fun. This put a smile on my face when I was going through it. So that's images first, and again, yeah, it, it's an anthology book in terms of um, getting a voice like Corey Lewis, an artist like Corey Lewis, out there to kind of do. Uh, to do their thing through and these different pieces. Corey Lewis, whose name sounded very familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on it, has written backup stories for some of the Udon, the Street Fighter, ah, and Darkstalkers go. books. So, oh, yes. This is a Darkstalkers book this week. Yeah. So, so he's he's done that before. So it's actually one of those things like, okay, so I'm hoping that maybe... I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows about video games. He's very much sort of in that culture. And the book definitely is a representation of his love for that kind yeah. of stuff. If you're in that culture, it'll be something you, you would probably enjoy. Uh, from there, we're going to go to the Belfry. This is Gabriel Hardman's one-shot, horror one-shot. Uh, Hardman is doing Invisible Republic. Um, if you're into political intrigue and thrillers, Invisible Republic is amazing. Hardman is one of those guys who, God, I think the first time I saw him was he did the the point one issue for Hulk. Yeah. Like yeah. Red Hulk and it was amazing. And then he did a couple issues in it and I'm like, this is really good. And I've followed him since then. He's done stories for Star Wars. He's a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. Him and his, him and his wife. Uh, his wife, yeah, yeah they Karim do Beko Star Wars books. They did Star Wars. They did Legacy Two with the Neo Solo before all that got flushed down the toilet. Um and then do they're both doing Invisible Republic now, which is a very intricate uh political thriller. And then the Belfry, which I had Sebastian read because I'm buying it. It's really good. Yeah, it looks to just opening the first three pages. His art is so good. In fact, I will say this: I'm mad at the book because it is only a one shot. Yeah, uh, I love the horror genre, and if you're looking for the the you know that monsters, vampires, a very interesting monsters. take on vampires themselves, it's got a very I say it's a vampire book. It's got it? a very much I am legend. I would say is yep. definitely okay. the biggest influence, and I'm not talking about the movie I Am Legend. Uh, more directly, the original book I Am Legend, where their vampires are are who are being hunted. So, definitely the biggest influence on this book. But I really, really like it. The art's absolutely beautiful. So thumbs up. I wish this was a mini series and not just a one shot. Yeah, he sent different pieces. You know, uh, like he says, piece in the back. When he's speaking, uh, uh, if you're familiar with my other work with my wife and writing partner, Karina Becko, such as Planet of the Apes. Again, Boom's Planet of the Apes by Hardman and Becko. Yes, Amazing really stuff. good. Uh, Planet of the Apes, Star Wars Legacy, creator-owned series, Invisible Republic. Uh, you might find this a little out of step if you've read my graphic novel, Kinski, which I can't do because <laughs> it's a dog. Um, I suppose, you know, Belfry is nothing like that either. He loves to experiment. I love to experiment with different genres, but even more, I wanted to work on something very different from Invisible Republic for a little while. I love co-writing and drawing Invisible Republic, but it's a long-form series, and I really need immediate satisfaction at creating a short, self-contained story. Invisible Republic is a massive story with many layers of narrative complexity that I have to keep in my head at all times. The Belfry, on the other hand, is very raw. It's more Motorhead than Mingus. It may be a dark scream for the id, 
but it was a fun way to spend my spare time. Hope you all enjoyed it. And that's one of the things I really like about it, and, and it has this in the back of Invisible Republic in terms of Hardman and Becco, is they're very, uh, they're not shy of explaining kind of what they're doing. Right. They take you through the process. They take you through the inspiration. They take you through everything, which I really love. I want to read this so bad. I want to take it home and read it. It's really I good. Read it I, again, my only complaint about it is that it is a one-shot and not a continuing story. So, way, so. That's, that may be a good thing. Where you're yes, like, that oh. also may be a good thing, but no, beautiful book uh, as a huge fan of the horror genre. and especially it's something as a one-shot, too. It, again, yeah. it's something that may get lost in the shuffle, but it's definitely, if you're into If that, you're into horror, if you're into, especially if you like the story of the original I Am Legend and what that sort of is yeah. for horror and modern vampires and things uh i mean there's so many things like walking dead can be traced back to a lot of that and it definitely check this out especially since yeah, if you're a writer shot. you know the, the the writer artist creator you know single creator kind of thing in terms of you know hardman does everything in it i mean it's written and drawn by 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 hardman you know he does his own inks if he even inks i mean i was probably his style probably is with inks as well so it's definitely something i wanted to talk about it today because I, I figured you would enjoy it Oh, yeah. I thought you would like it. Uh, the last book we have on our list is Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez's The Old Guard. Uh, again, one of the reasons I have... I like Greg Rucka a lot, but I love Leandro Fernandez. He did um, a this number... Yeah, it's a number of Punisher books. He has a very... Uh, he has a style reminiscent of uh, Eduardo Rizzo. Yeah. Who yeah. worked with Brian Azzarello on 100 Bullets and a number of other things. Who's also done a Punisher story or two. Uh, and Batman as well. It's, you know, very, very hard blacks. Very blotchy black. But the... It's just so beautiful. Like I love this book. Um, I always read one of his books and just like I wish you would do GI Joe. Like just just go do GI Joe for a little bit uh, because the the again being kind of a military kid to a certain degree and someone who's always been into like that genre and action. I'm a, I'm a gun dork. Everything in here looks perfect. Um, even the way they they the way that they hold them, the way that they fire. You know the the you get so many guys who do the hip. You know, they even draw him with the hip or whatever. Like the guy, the guy who's firing the pistol. Yeah, where they hip fire. Yeah, the guy who's firing the pistol's got the one eye closed. You know, as you're supposed to do when you, when you do, uh, you know, up at the top there, and the other one don't slide back and all of that. So it really, really, I love the action in this. The gunplay in this is fantastic. The story's uh, intriguing. The story is, is intriguing. Which is the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect, especially the opening salvo of the book is uh, a character or a group of characters throughout history. They die. They're reborn. Okay. I like where this is going, and then you sort of have a normal setup story where, you know, potentially mercenaries, we don't exactly know what's going on, but then we see these same characters jumping through different points in their lives, yeah. especially once you get to the modern history, and then everything takes a turn. And Yeah, they're, 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 we've kind of seen this idea in a number of yes, different yeah. stories lately, this idea of these immortals who... Um, Skyborn has that for yes, exactly. Skyborn, Skyborn has that for to a certain degree where they're mercenaries. Um, they take on a mission and that that mission does not go the way that they think it does. That's as far as I'll go. Right. And then there's an interlude of these characters in Afghanistan and a character in there who um, has a bit of a surprise and will eventually kind of meet up with the. It all comes together. Yeah, it's a good first issue for me because it doesn't give away too much. It's subtle in the way that they explain what's going on. But it's also right in your face in the beginning because they tell you right on the inset. Uh, uh, you know, it's a story of one woman and three men who cannot die mostly. It's a story about time and age and ages, about friendship and love and regret. They tell you early on, you don't have to, like, you know, dig through right. the plot of the story to figure out that these four are yeah. Yeah. immortal beings that, uh, you know, can't can't really be killed. 
Um, the tropes aren't new, but the way they're used in this book is yeah. very, very successful. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time either. Right. I mean, that's and when you have someone like Leandro Fernandez, whose art, again, yeah, and Greg Rucka, oh. they both know what they're doing. Yeah, Rucka's really good to do this. His goddamn has been so late with Raphael Albuquerque doing it. I'm hoping this doesn't befall the same thing, the same uh, erratic publishing schedule, which absolutely killed that book. Um, and Daniela Miwa does the the colors and the colors Gorgeous. are great too. Yeah, it's very very pastel-y yeah, in certain but, pages. Yeah, it's a nice like beige undertone to yeah. it. There's a lot of purples and pinks and greens, like uh, and oranges and hue those those hues through it. It gives it a different style than And uh, it definitely lends itself to sort of feeling a bit like a dream in certain places, yeah. especially when they use them uh in the areas that are back in time, the colors are a little bit more off yeah. than they would be. So I like it a lot. Very 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 cool. And yeah, when that was kind of like my favorite yeah, that uh, that we read through. Yeah, we got we had a mighty stack this week. Yeah, Justice League America, pretty good. Electra, better than we thought it would be. Definitely something if you're into Daredevil that you you would pick up. Quantum Teams of Go, very intriguing. Super Science got Visitor and how and why he stayed. It's a Hellboy story as much as it's the Visitor story. Sun Bakery, a crazy mix mash of of video game youth culture. A youthful super anthology. Yeah, youthful anthology is a good way to put it. Belfry, a great vampire horror book uh, one shot. And then the old guard and and action, time for time, yeah, action thriller, uh, very all good decent stuff. Yeah, old guard would probably be the one. That, a lot of fun reading. And week. then Belfry as well. I think Belfry. Yeah, Belfry. Since I'm buying it, I'm going to say yeah. Belfry's definitely one. There's not a lot of horror books uh, that are that are frequently published. Yeah, no. So it's, I appreciate it's, having one that comes one out. that you can kind of just hand to someone. One of the reasons we yeah. really like um, here at the story, we were really like uh, Scott Snyder severed is because yes. it's self-contained. Yeah. You, know, you want a horror book, here you go, and you don't have to get anything else. Harrow County's up to five volumes. Five great volumes, but it's still five volumes. Right. Sometimes you have someone who just wants to get one. Yeah, thing I want a horror book. Hey, here you go. Here's a one shot. Check yeah. it out. It's really good. You can get Witches book. too, which is witches supposed to continue, well. but <laughs> since he's on his one day. contract with DC. Yeah, once it's once that's through, um, we'll probably go from there. So yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Uh, as always, we want to mention we're part of the Murderables family. Our Nerdable show actually should be up. The show we did the other, the other day, a couple days ago, should be up now. Uh, our new one where we just ramble, pretty much. We yep. did not really stay on topic the other night at all. Uh, but, but it was fun. It was good stuff that we were talking about. We just wanted to sit and talk. Uh, we also have uh, we'll have Star Wars Declassified coming up. They're doing, I think, a double dose of the Deadcast. Dead. Yeah, yeah, Deadcast next week, uh, since no one was there on Sunday to be able to go through it. Um and, of course, we are also sponsored by and generously given the back room of Earth 2 Comics in Northridge. The Earth 2 Comics family, Northridge and Sherman Oaks, has all of these fine titles in stock for your reading pleasure. Stop by either store, come in and say, hey, Comic Tating told me to buy this stuff. And then we'll hand it to you, and then you buy it, and then you go home, and everything's amazing. Yes. And it's the greatest thing ever. So that's going to do it for this week. For my partner, Sebastian, this is Chris saying we will talk to you next week. Oh, my God.